Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Civ 6, Stars Beyond Reach, Age of Wonders, Planetfall, and much, much more. Hey, Troy, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, did some work outside, repaired a shed, you know, all that sort of thing. What about you? Uh, went with the family to watch fireworks awesome. tonight. Really cool. We've had Though, a, lot of, a lot of bad mm-hmm. weather where yeah. I live. It's, uh, last, well, really, the last couple days. Uh couple of tornadoes nearby. Mm. Thankfully, nobody hurt. Uh, not much property damage because I live in a rural part. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, rough weather. We're about to get, a, to get a late July nor'easter. Oh, boy. There's no snow, but it's going to be a whole lot of rain. And like <laughs> our weather from like two days ago to today, it's like almost a 20 degree difference. And that's wow. it pulled in cold air from up north and humidity from south. And it's, it's going to be exciting weather for the next couple of days all right well you stay safe buddy yeah it's just some rain it's no big deal cool all right well why don't you uh kick us off with civ 6 tonight sure so do you remember a couple of shows back i think i don't know it was like four or five shows we were talking about something called red shell yeah i do and there was a very big brouhaha about it right and uh kind of tracked your data and, and sent that back to publishers things like that yeah Things like that, amongst others. So uh, when this came out, there was a very big to-do. Like a lot of players got very vocal very quickly. So various developers and publishers started, you know, the ones that were using it apologized. Like we didn't think it was so bad, but, you know, now that this is out like that, absolutely, they removed it. One of the developers that had not removed it at that point yet was Firaxis, and that's what Civ Six News is: is that there's um, they did a couple of they did a couple of tiny little tweaks to multiplayer. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is that they re- they removed Red Shell, and that's all great. When I was uh, looking for the breakdown of what this latest update, the uh, July nineteenth update, is, I clicked on the Steam Store and I got to to Civ Six and. Oh my God! They got review bombed. Oh, really? For yeah, for because of Red Shell, so many people gave them nothing more. That's that's just for that. Nothing else. Like it's very negative right now in the past thirty days. And like if you, if you click and you go on the Steam Store, you're gonna be like, whoa. So that's it. So for access removed that I know Creative Assembly either removed it from their games or is in the process of removing it. So, Huh, that's interesting. Um, if there's anyone who's listening to this on our site or participates on our forums, mm-hmm. uh, drop us a comment explaining, if you hate Red Shell, explaining why you hate it so bad. Because it, 
it doesn't seem to me like it's doing anything that a lot of other internet companies aren't doing anymore. I it just it doesn't seem all that unusual to me. Definitely like if it was slowing down your your game or or chewing up your resources, yeah, that that really sucks and I I, I read that for some people it was doing that. Right. But I can't, you know, I I think it's more to do with the fact that this was this overlay was included and it wasn't disclosed. That could be that's it, but that's what it is. Like I mean, there's there's certain using, games we're using Steam. No, to no, get but these the, games and no, you know, but they track every little thing we do. So it's true, but you can private make it private because they are at least now, according to Valve, they're more much more open about it. But for example. When you fire up Steam, Steam tells you that it wants to make some kind of a change to your directory. Does it have permission to do that? You can click no and Steam will launch. It's just certain aspects of it will run a little slower as a result. You know, but the point is, is that they ask. They don't just say, oh, we're going to do it. And that's that. That's what Red Shell, that's, that's the fallout to Red Shell. It's like how many other programs are running like that. Maybe it's just taking, you know, like metrics of your computer's performance for the game so they can try and figure out which computers are struggling so they can fix it. But that's irrelevant because they need to disclose it. That's that's what, at least that's my take on it. I'll, obviously I could be completely wrong and if I am definitely let us know in, you know, why I'm wrong. But anyways, why don't we move on to something um, different, something a little bit more positive. Sure, we're going to talk about Aggressor's Ancient Rome next. And this week they released a few more of their infographics, which are uh, kind of pictures of the units for the various factions in the game. And this week we got the Roman faction, which I played some Aggressor's Ancient Rome this week, I'll, and I played Rome, so I'll talk about them a little bit more. But obviously they're going to be armed with their iconic tower shields and the gladius sword, and also the Persians. And I was a little bit surprised with the Persians. Uh, you know, they're, they're known for wearing like their silk armor and having wicker shields, so I thought their defense would be extremely low. But their offense really high because they were a very aggressive force. But it doesn't look like that's entirely reflected in the game. Like compared to the more heavily armored Roman soldiers, definitely. But we, you know, we've seen um, Carthage and the Greeks, so they're they're comparable. They're comparable. I th- I just thought the stats would be a little bit more extreme than what they are. So anyway, I guess they could always change. Uh, but. Uh, those two infographics were released, and then also for like the naval ships, there's three galleys, triremes, and boats, which look kind of like fisherman boats, something like that. Uh, that's kind of your basic naval unit, pretty weak. But anyway, they look good, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think the graphics for this game aren't too bad, and I really like the level of detail and historical accuracy they're they're giving these units, at least as as best as we can, given the records from antiquity that we've got. So, yeah, very cool thing from Aggressor's Ancient Rome this week. Very nice. And then we also have an update for Driftland. Right, and that's a game I haven't played in a good while. So this Mm -hmm. week, the patch for that game uh, is all about camps, really. And how this works is... All the races can now pitch camps where your heroes can gather to form banners. And these banners give each of the different factions some type of bonus. 
So, you know, the wild elves get one thing and the dark elves get another. I really like the dwarven one. What happens is it creates a dwarven mortar, like, I don't know, like a big howitzer cannon, something like that. And it can help your bannermen during raids, even at great distances. So it can lob in shells, like, from really far. And that's that's a fantastic idea there. I love that idea. Uh, they've improved se- several other aspects of the game. You know, they, they reworked the flag menu for, I think, the third or fourth time now. So it's more of a radial shape. Uh, they fixed some bugs, and they made more uh, keyboard shortcuts available. So, yeah, this is this is looking good. Uh, I, I wonder if my, new, my old save would work. Kind of doubt it. I might have to start a new game for Driftland. So anyway, this is this is kind of neat. I might I might try the dwarves just to see what that mortar looks like. That'd be kind of cool. Well, I mean, you've you have been playing eight different varieties of elves, so it's uh, time to try. Well, some. yeah, only two. Of, like they have several different elvish factions in the game. Only two are playable. Like some of them are like oh, okay, factions or okay. minor factions you. that you can gotcha. uh, add or interact with. But mm-hmm. yeah, you can only play so far wild elves and dark elves barbaric elves are kind of just like uh i don't know a neutral faction gotcha a minor of sorts yeah, uh, yeah a minor i wouldn't be half surprised to see high elves in here at some point <laughs> anyway okay. all right let's see so uh we can move on to star zeal why don't you tell us about that a little bit sure so this is a just a small update now i have to give a disclaimer um it's it's early development. I'm pretty sure a lot of the art in the game, as it stands right now, it's kind of placeholder art. So you know, don't don't judge it right away because it has some very interesting mechanics. Anyways, having said that, this week the developer Thilaksha, I hope I didn't butcher the name too badly. He he, uh, I assume it's a he. It could be a she. But this this developer is uh, posting up the. It's a little update that talks about uh, the leaders and the characters and how, um, like, how you create them, abilities, traits, the gener- the generation system, and then it talks about like classes and it's basically it's explaining how these special characters impact your empire and you know the various aspects. So it's cool. I mean, this at this point, it's almost like expected for 4x to have this system so it'll be interesting to see how it's different in star zeal than you know any other game because one of the major complaints i've been hearing lately is like everybody's like oh everybody has the same thing but what's different about it you know how is this different how is this better so we'll kind of have to see awesome very cool well next we have stellar monarch and version 1.25 of that game is out and uh, Chris Chris Cosmic, the developer behind it, has reworked the automated fleets, which I think really improved the game a lot. Now it's going to act more like fleets controlled by people, where you know it'll when you give it proactive things to do, it'll do them right away. But reactive things, such as retaking a planet, it'll take it a little bit longer to do because the AI that's governing the automated fleets no longer knows and can see what the AI governing the uh, enemy factions is doing. So before, like, you know, your automated fleet AI would know that the enemy AI was going to move its 
fleet two sectors away. And so it could go retake the planet safely. Well, now it's not going to know that. It's going to wait to see if that fleet comes back. So it's going to be a little bit more realistic, probably a little bit more balanced. Also, a couple reworks to the UI for this game. Uh, it's going to list battles in like order, whether you lost them, they ended in a draw, or you won. Uh, also, a, a, an explanation for tractor beams is going to be added to the, the fleet in the shipyard, which is great because I didn't know what that did when I played the game. I was like, uh, should I use tractor beams? Would I want tractor beams? What do they do? I don't know. So, anyhow. Uh, and, you know, the usual fixing of bugs and, and improving performance and things like that. So, uh, a small patch, but probably a really helpful one as far as the interface goes, and probably a better one for game balance as well. Okay, well, uh, let's, this is, I'm going to go ahead and update something. So, in the last couple of weeks, um, I've been reaching out to various developers for games that we've been following when they went radio silent to try and find out what's going on. So, this week, we have Stars Beyond Reach from Arkham Games. Now, earlier in the week, maybe, well, at the time of recording, about five days prior, um, there was a, a message popped up that they're, they're doing something and... Um, they're participating in some kind of a giveaway, and you can get a copy of AI War 2, which they're continuing to develop, and Stars Beyond Reach. And I'm like, wait a minute, Stars Beyond Reach? I thought they stopped development on that because they were focusing on AI War 2. And it turns out that's what it was, is that they the same keys that we have, that some of us have access to... Um, those are alpha builds, various alpha builds. So if you want, if you participate in this giveaway or you participate in this uh, this love in love indies event, or at least at the time, I don't know if it's still running right now or not. And you win, you can get a copy, an alpha key for um, Stars Beyond Reach. So I found that interesting. I'm, I appreciate the fact that they, you know, let us know that this was uh, specifically. As far as the alpha, not the actual continued development, because we're very much looking forward to Stars Beyond Reach. And when I saw that, I was like, ooh, yay, it's, it's back. And they're like, no, no, relax. It's nothing like that. So that's the update. Now, as far as new news, I have for Age of Wonders Planetfall. And what they're doing is they're starting to get, they're starting to discuss the combat units and they're explaining the. Like things like firing arc, uh, where you have like so. Okay, I'll, they have something called the Vanguard Assault Bikes. So this is like the human faction, and basically this is a, a motorized vehicle, almost like a scout bike that has the ability to do some serious damage. But it's all forward facing, meaning that the weapons do not track. So it's got all its shield up front. It does all its damage from up front, and if you hit it from the side, you can do damage because it's nice and open. And there's, and as a result of that, you're starting to kind of get an idea for how the tactical combat for Planetfall is improving, I suppose would be the right word, or maybe growing, progressing, progressing sure, progressing from Age of Wonders 3. Then another thing that they show off is, okay, this one is, uh, <laughs> I'm going to butcher this, the Kirko Hidden. And these are the some of the descendants from the Kirko Quins. This is the insect faction. 
So they're talking about, you know, how the faction fights. They're talking about the weapons that they have. They're explaining um, that this is this unit is a stealth unit, so it can basically disappear. Uh, they're also harder to hit. They get bonuses to evasion. So they're starting to give, like, the breakdown for these two units and reading the various cards. You're getting an idea for what they meant. Because last week what they talked about is stuff like hit chances and stuff like uh, high evasion. So basically when you fire, you hit. But you could have grazing shots or evasion affects your percentage to hit. So if your percentage to hit is low, it's like uh, don't recommend taking the shot because you're probably going to miss. Things like that. So they're really starting to explain how that goes. And like you said, it's progressed. It's evolved, I think. I think the combat and plan file is going to be a lot more tactical than it was in Age of Wonders 3. And that's already saying something right there because Age of Wonders 3 had fantastic combat. Though, interestingly enough... I enjoyed it, but I've been reading more and more that people found it tedious. Now, I didn't feel that it was, but I can believe when they say when you have the full reinforced, I think you could have four versus the maximum armies on both sides you can have in any conflict, if I remember correctly, was seven. That sounds so, about right. Yeah, seven stacks. Yeah, so, and... You know, that that could be a lot of things going on. So, yeah, I guess if you're not into combat or as much into combat, then it could be really tedious. But I very much am into combat. So as as my gaming of XCOM 2 for many years and now Battletech will attest to. So we'll, we'll have <laughs> yeah. to keep seeing how it goes, you know? Yeah, I'm one of those that found the combat in Age of Wonders a little too time-consuming for my tastes. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. wish it could have been resolved more quickly. Um, I, well, I definitely recognize how good it was, like mm -hmm. how deep it was, but, like, man, it would it would take up a lot of time. And so, like, I couldn't get as far as I'd wanted to in a sitting mm -hmm. because combat would take so long, and right. I don't like using auto-resolve unless, like, it's just well, as, really as lopsided. As long as you weren't fighting undead or particular undead units, auto resolve for Age of Wonders 3 sometimes gave you better results than if you did it yourself. Because, I mean, the computer, the AI really simulated combat well, except for like some, a couple of undead units could wipe out whole stacks that should be able to handle these units in like nothing, like nothing. And just because the AI, something was off with the way it handled undead. But, anyways, um, Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Northgard, about the new clan, that's uh, the new DLC slash clan that's available for Northgard. Right. A week or two ago, we reported about the new DLC that's coming, and it's adding the Skirmisher unit, which, if you remember, can move around uh, in occupied territories with, without causing problems, and uh, you get a new building out of this, and that's for all clans. And so... This week, we got a bit more detail about the Snake Clan. And the Snake Clan is kind of like the uh, sneaky, underhanded clan. And it is led by a woman named Signy. Okay, and she... This, this is one of the really unique things about the faction, is you get to start with your hero. But she's also 15 at the beginning of the games and she will age as time goes by so at 15 she's kind of low powered at, at 16 she gains more power and then at 18 
Like, she's at full power, and, and she can lead your armies. Uh, she gets a special ability called Scorched Earth, which can, if you're able to use it, like, you got to keep her in the center of a, of a province, like, unbothered for five seconds, and then she can use this ability. And what it does, it gives all your units uh, a big buff, and then it gives neg 50% for any production in that tile. So she kind of does that. And the Snake Clan gets their own kind of unique tech tree. And the update goes through all that. I won't talk to you too much about it. It involves the black market, which is kind of cool. But uh, also one of their technologies is to steal a technology from another clan. And like that's a really great thing to put in a tech tree when there's that one last space and you can't come up with anything to put in there. You're like, yeah, you know, we'll just put in a random one from some other faction and we'll make it sound sneaky. So that's cool. And then along with this... All of the other clans are getting a rebalance. And, like, there's there's quite a bit here. Like, the, the wolf clan is getting six things changed about it. And all these rebalances are their buffs. They're increases to what the clan can normally do. So none of them are, like, nerfs where, you know, this clan was getting too powerful. And so we're kind of taking down their bonuses. Everything's getting... a a buff and increase so the clan of the wolf gets six the bear clan gets two the stag gets two and the raven clan gets one do you know what clan didn't need any buffs nate the goat clan the goat clan because that was already the best clan in the game and that was my favorite clan so yeah they're not getting touched in this <laughs> this expansion or dlc uh and i guess because everything's just fine with them and they're they're good to go um the victory conditions are getting a, a bit of a rework in the game also. Uh, the food required to colonize new tiles has been increased. And for some clans, that's going to be tough. Like the goat clan's not going to have any trouble with that. But other, other clans might, might struggle with that. Also, uh, the fame victory has been reworked for all map sizes. So uh, likewise, the lore victory... Uh, the, the requirement for later text has been increased. And I guess by that, they mean like the research points you got to have for that, because I think you had to have all your text researched in order to get the lore victory as it is. So that, that uh -huh. must mean like the research type thing. So, yeah. Um, and then, you know, as always, like there's just some smaller changes and bug fixes, uh, things like that. Um, also for multiplayer, like, the more balanced maps, we, we reported, I don't know, Nate, it was maybe two or three months ago, that the multiplayer maps were getting rebalanced uh, because there was, there was some problems where if you, you had a certain starting condition, like, you, you would be favored. And they had rebalanced them all except for the 2v2v2v2 multiplayer setup where basically you have four teams of two player each going at each other. But now balanced maps for that type of multiplayer are in the game and should be ready to go so if you're playing north garden multiplayer which is a really good way to play it and you can get a bunch of other people ready to go i think you'll really enjoy that i i think the balance maps are definitely an improvement very good very good so you know let's talk about and remember actually how we mentioned last week how was last week two weeks ago no it was last week we were talking about how um older games are getting support Right. Yeah. 
So this week we have more information about the Rome 2 update, which is coming. This one is called Rise of the Republic. And this is basically a scenario pack where um, this is 399 BC and the return of Rome to greatness. So, ba- so basically the second founding of, no- of Rome. And, um, not, and when I said event pack, I meant campaign pack. So this is it's it's cool, you know. If uh, the, it took him a while to, and by a while I think it was maybe two two and a half years to fix all the damage that they did when they released Rome Two in the state that it was in, and now it's a really really popular game. And I think this content is showing that Creative Assembly is not done with Rome Two yet. Having said that, this week they also released like a status update. What are th- called what are the teams working on on july in july or on july on july that it should be wait shouldn't it be in july on july whatever yeah it's a i saw that it it should be in july i don't know i guess it's a misprint yeah because it should be in you're working on something in a month not on a month yeah so you work on something there might have been something lost in the translation or that was just a typo well you're working on something on a particular day in a particular month. But whatever. What do I know? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? You know, I'm just some dude on, you know, recording a podcast. So they have uh, they have their saga team is working on Thrones of Britannia. Now, remember how I had said that Civ 6 has had a lot of negative feedback? Yep. Like sure as our has. top top of the new show. Well, <laughs> Thrones of Britannia has not been received very well. This oh, was a, too bad. yeah. This was a suspicion that people had, and that I wasn't sure about. Like they released it very quickly, and mm-hmm. it was like a very, very much a streamlining of Total War Rome to Attila, and like a lot of the good stuff in Attila they pulled out, and now it's like people are like now nah, we don't like it, so they're working on it. Now the historical team is continuing to develop Three Kingdoms, so I'm very excited. To see, you know, to see what they do with that. Then the arena team is working on units for Total War Arena. Now, I don't know. I'm not, I I can't imagine, and I'm speaking for myself, of course. I can't imagine how good the iOS version of this will be. So, who knows? We, last week we also were talking about the Warhammer 2, uh, the fantasy team working on Warhammer 2. So, you know, there's new content coming. And um, they haven't really said what, but it looks like it's going to be another uh, major faction and with some tweaks and changes. Now, there's so now here's the thing: they say the historical new content team is working on Rome too. So I'm not sure if they're actually planning to do something else on Rome besides releasing uh, the new campaign pack. And now the thing that really, really caught me by surprise is the fantasy team is working on something else. Now now I'm I'm pretty certain that this is Total War 3. Pretty certain because they threw in this little easter egg in there where at the end of the first sentence they're talking about it's absolute chaos. Now we know that Total War 1 didn't do justice to the war band. The beastmen were pretty good but the chaos war band was pretty dodgy at best. And they're not really in the second one. And since this story is basically the end of the fantasy of Total War Warhammer fantasy, it's the rise of the Archon 
is what I'm guessing is the Total War 3 is going to be. That's a lore thing. And if that's the case, that's going to be amazing. But I still, I don't know. I mean, do they put another maybe two expansions or two factions that are missing from uh, Total War Warhammer 2? Or do they move to three? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not privy to any of those meetings. So I can't really say what they're going to do or what they're not going to do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, we're going to move on to uh, Panzer General 2. And a long time ago, uh, Slytherin announced Panzer... Or, I'm sorry, Panzer Corps 2. And a long time ago, they, they announced Panzer Corps 2 and then didn't say anything. And now they're ready to say something. So, like I misspoke just a moment ago, the Panzer Corps uh, franchise is a spiritual successor to the Panzer General franchise. And... I remember that one, like on turn one, you had to make a hundred plus moves, like to get all your supply lines straightened down and, and move all your units. Like it was a super granular, very realistic game. And, you know, Slytherin wanted to uh, n- remain in the spirit of that game without like the micromanagement tedium that it required. So they are going to. Al- allow a mechanic where you can cut your enemy troops off from their supply lines. Basically what you have to do is you have to find a way to place your units in passable terrain hexes between them and their supply lines. So if you can cut them off using your you know your units, you can basically starve them out where they lose their combat effectiveness over time. And so if you get them like stuck on a peninsula or if they're passing through a mountain range where there's a lot of impassable terrain and you can surround them that way, then they're going to basically begin to starve out and you can wear them down and then hit them with your units and have a much better chance uh, at winning. So they're also implementing the overrun uh feature which is people have been wanting for a long time basically that's where you get to squash guys with your tanks so you can just run right over them with your tanks and and bloody them up that way which sounds like a lot of fun uh in addition they're really reworking air and naval warfare now air warfare is kind of tough to do in a game that's really focused on the landmass right cuz you're you're looking at the map which has right, the, the right. ground terrain and the forests, mountains, and rivers, all that. And, you know, the, the airplanes are more like support vehicles in this. You know, they're not, they're not what the game is really about. So the game's going to revolve more around, like, how do you attack airfields? Where do you put your airfields? Um, if your aircraft have to fly very far from their base, their effectiveness is going to be diminished. Because they have less fuel. they got to conserve that fuel, right? So there's going to be a lot of that for the air warfare aspect of the game. For naval warfare, you know, it's difficult to do terrain on the ocean. Because uh, the ocean, you know, just by definition is rather flat. So I imagine they could add something like weather or perhaps uh, coral reefs or, you know, small islands or something like that. But still, for the most part... The ocean's flat. The sea is flat. So instead, they're going to add a lot of detail to the naval units themselves, like turrets and submarines, aircraft carriers, anti-aircraft guns, all these different things that ships can do, depth charges, all that. So that way, the units are where the complexity is, where the strategy is, and not the terrain. While on the ground, you know, the, the units are going to have their abilities, 
but how you use them on the various terrains is really going to decide victory. So I like that, you know, um, these World War II games, there are guys that really get into them, particularly to kind of role play the World War II I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say like mm-hmm. nostalgia because, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's pretty miserable. But still, you know, to to role play in the World War Two that that sort of thing. Here's what I would do. You know, if I were in this situation. So there's a lot of people who like them, and if you're in that group, then Panzer Corps Two is under development and looks pretty good. Very true. And uh, okay, so let's talk about this ongoing feature called What Is. So. Have you heard of a game called Circle Empires? I have not. Okay. So this is from Iceberg. They're the publishers for this. And this game is an RTS game. It's a quick RTS, meaning that you should not be playing this game for eight hours. I mean, you could. Nothing's stopping you from. But the matches should be really quick. And it's the the graphics for it. This is very, like, mobile mobile looking. So it's coming... So, okay, I think I should have started with that. It's coming out for the PC, and it's coming out for the iOS. So this looks like a game that's perfect for the iOS. And for PC, it really depends. I, I could imagine somebody on a notebook or on a lower-end system wanting to play an RTS. Something like this is what they would look at. Now, what makes this game interesting is that it follows a similar trajectory as Driftlands, where... You are connecting these islands, but here you are connecting these circles, almost like 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 mini continents, I guess, or I don't know, circles, for lack of a better word. And you're trying to conquer them. And what you have is they're procedurally generated. You have 150 different creatures, buildings, resources. You have 18 different faction leaders, 12 enemy boss monsters, and it's fast-paced. So the idea is, is you get a lot of game done very quickly. And if you are into RTS and you are looking for something to play on an iOS or on a low-end PC, this is definitely a game that you should check out. At least give it a look. You never know. It might be the game that you've been looking for. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go so, ahead. So uh, anyone who's been following the Star Control Origins development over the past well good long while actually uh, is probably familiar with the legal dispute that Stardock has had with Fred and Paul who created the original Stardock or not Stardock Star Control series back in the 90s and to help them cover their legal costs for this lawsuit uh, Fred and Paul started a GoFundMe campaign and about a month has gone by since they started it, and at the time of this recording, uh, they just passed 19 grand. Their goal is two million dollars. So they're uh, they're they're still disputing the the various rights for it. And in this, they they mention that they want to fam- fulfill their promise to the fans when it comes to making a game for Ghosts of the Precursors. And I would really like to know more about that game. I really haven't hardly. Uh, heard much about ghosts of the precursors since they first announced it months and months ago and like i go to their i go to their website and i don't see too much going on there and i mean that's why we're reporting on this gofundme because this is about all that we have heard from them about ghosts of the precursors in well quite honestly quite a while so anyway 
there's that. They're trying to raise money for their GoFundMe. I'd really like to learn more about their game. Right. Uh, they're they're proven game designers. You know, right. they're good at what they do. And so I, I really think that fans that and learning more about it than they are in anything else. The the one thing that kind of ticks me off about this whole situation is that Stardock is working on Star Control Origins and it's looking very cool. The, uh, Paul and Fred, uh, what is it? It's Paul Reich and Fred, or is it Fred Reich? And uh, either way, so they could be working on on the other game. Both games can exist at the same time. Instead, there's a fight over the patent, and it's just like, let, why not make the game and let the game speak for itself? You know. And then there's the other thing. It's like, oh, GoFundMe, we need money to do this, and it's like. Aren't you guys like ridiculously, insanely rich and you're running a very, very successful and well-established and well-known company and you guys have been involved in all this stuff? Why are you asking the community to help support you? You know, it's I don't know. I, it's I'm not a game developer. I don't have any patents. I don't have any, you know, copyrighted stuff that anybody's coming after. So I can't really say what I would do if I was in their position. But at the same time, you know. It's like what Brad isn't Brad isn't doing anything wrong. You know, they got the license from Atari from a bankruptcy. They got it's not like they secretly like did something in a backroom deal. This was open. This was other companies were bidding on other other properties. And like if if there's an issue here, does that mean that every time somebody picks up something from a bankruptcy, they're going to get screwed somehow? You know, so it's like it's well, not I fair to start always, off. I think there's always that risk when, you know, you're buying distressed assets that there there could be a problem with it. I mean, just, you know, when you buy like a home that has been foreclosed on, uh, there's always I mean, you just you just never know. Like the the original developer might not have. Uh, cleared all the the legal wranglings that came with developing the property. I mean, just anytime, anytime that you do something like this, there's always a certain amount of risk. I imagine that uh, corporations yeah, but... have some type of insurance that would cover that. Uh, we, I, I well, know that it's... insurance exists for those types of things. I, I don't, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know the particulars about Stardog, nor do I know right. anything about. Right. The particulars with uh, Fred and Paul and, and why they might need to ask for money or anything like that. Well, I, I'm looking at it differently. I understand what you mean. I, I agree with you, but I'm I'm looking at it differently. And using your example of buying a distressed property. So let's say you buy a distressed property at auction or the foreclosure or some whichever way you went about and you purchased this property, right? Now imagine if. After you purchase this property, five years after you purchase this property, the original owner of the property comes to you and says, no, you can't do that. It's my property. Well, I and, mean, and then, then you enter into a legal dispute, you know, and that, that's yeah, why that's some basically people, what's happening. When, when they right. buy a home, they take out insurance against that to cover the legal costs, you know. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, it sucks. Yeah, it, it, sucks. it totally sucks. I, I'd like to know more about the game. That is absolutely for sure. Ghost of the Precursors sounded interesting, uh, mm -hmm. but unfortunately in this uh, crowdfunding thing, there's no real update about it or what, it, what it's really about or where their progress is on it. So that's well, quite unfortunate. 
my my fear is that this lawsuit is going to impact Star Control Origins because they might put an injunction on it, you know, well, or something like I that. I really hope not because that game's looking good. Uh, exactly. I'm pretty interested exactly. in it, and uh, so. well, we'll 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 just see. We'll, we'll keep we'll, we'll keep see. we'll keep yeah, seeing. We're, we're we're following this. Uh, Origins is supposed to come out in September twentieth. Yeah, 20th. 20th, I think. Yeah. It's like two days before fall, so it will be a summer release. Uh, I do remember that. So, anyway, uh, is that it for the news? I think that is it for the news. All right. Did you play anything fun this week? Well, yeah. Uh, naturally, I played some World of Tanks Blitz. That is still naturally. an awesome game. Uh, and then also I, I got a key to Aggressor's Ancient Rome, and I started playing that. And I, I naturally chose the Romans first, and I was playing through the tutorial. And... Uh, the tutorial is pretty good. I mm. felt that it really was teaching me about the game step by step. And like, I'm not so good at following tutorials. And every time I would screw up, the game provided a way for me to get back on track. Like there really wasn't like sometimes when you play a tutorial, Nate, you know, you might screw something up. Like this happened to me when I was doing Eodor. Like I, I like one of my heroes died and I was really deep into the tutorial and one of my heroes died, and he wasn't supposed to die because I attacked a thing I wasn't supposed to attack. And, you know, in Aggressor's Ancient Rome, I think the tutorial's pretty solid. Like, I never had that type of experience where I could mess up or do the wrong thing. There's always information windows I could pop open that would remind me and it pointed things out. So it was really good. I had some problems with the game crashing, and it was because the game, since it's not a published game yet, Windows wasn't recognizing it as a published game it didn't know what kind of program it was so it was putting the game through my integrated graphics card instead of my gpu so like it wasn't going through my uh nvidia card so i had to go in and manually switch the program over to run on my ge force uh graphics card and then once i did that i didn't have any problems with it so like if you get a beta key for this thing and you have some trouble crashing just Check out your uh, NVIDIA experience or whatever it's called and uh, fix that because that's all I had to do to, to mm. fix the game. So. I usually just – I just I, – I have it set up, force it to go to my video card. Well, that's what I ended up having to do. Yeah. Because my video card is like so much more powerful than the built-in card. Oh, without a doubt. So the built-in so built card just does like some background stuff, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But my card is – I have a 1070 – ti or something like i don't know something like that some crazy card on my yeah. gaming laptop so yeah so the devs the devs uh were the ones who helped me discover the problem ah and, i see okay. well, that's so, good yeah that's yeah good. they emailed me like you know i sent uh like if the game crashes it'll tell you to it'll give you a prompt window and it's you know you can send the 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 play log and all that and so i did and then they emailed me back and they said here's here's what the problem is and so like we worked together and we got it all fixed so that was really nice they 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 uh they just talked to me one-on-one -on -one, you know i don't know five six emails between us and yeah we got it all sorted out and the game runs great so that was it for Ex me uh what about uh -huh. you what'd you play Oh, I played a bunch of games this week. Awesome. So, BattleTech, I'm continuing. Uh, I'm the, I think I'm going to wrap up the campaign or at least advance another story mission and see what happens. I have a strong enough lance now to pretty much wipe the board, which is that's how I like to do it. So, <laughs> you know, my my lance of four to wipe out a planet's worth of defenses because we're just 
the best mercenary company ever. I I'm just I'm bowing. That game is so much fun. That game is fun. I, I remember being mercenaries back in the the 90s playing mech warrior and battle tech it was just so much fun so, so much fun so i was playing that then i've been playing gladius warhammer 40k gladius relics of war a bit of a mouthful but in short gladius so i've been playing that and i can honestly say it has that one more turn factor I cannot tell you how often it is. I'm like, I just need one more turn. And the next thing I know, 40 minutes pass. I'm like, okay, I better step away. And then another 40 minutes pass. I'm like, okay, no, seriously, I got to step away. So it definitely has it. Again, it is definitely a war game. It is a war game. It is very much focused on war. But so are most 4X games. And the other mechanics are there is just fillers just to get you to that war, you know? Be it an economic war or a physical war or a war for cultural expansion, but it's that's usually the main mode of communication with other empires, species, factions is through war. So Gladius does it really well. And then I fired up Endless Legend that I have not played in a couple of years, honestly. And um, I fired up Inferno. And that's <laughs> all funny <I> joke. <laughs> No, it's actually fired up Inferno. The funny part is, is I can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, so we're back to that again. We are back to that again. That's right. Until Amplitude releases more information, they're going to do it at Gamescon, which is at the time of recording, I think Gamescon's already... No, Gamescon's in August. So, okay. So it's a couple of weeks out from them releasing more information. I think when they're back from their vacation, they're going to start doing like dev diaries or dev journals or things like that. So once they do that, then I'll be able to talk more about it. And uh, let me see what else. Um, I think I, I got one more game. I was trying to launch something and maybe I didn't or forgot. Was it Bejeweled? Oh. No, no, no. I play that on my iPad all the time. I enjoy it. But I think that's it. I think, was that it? Well, you know what? Yeah. We'll just call that good enough. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's good enough. I played, I played like twenty some odd hours. Awesome. In the past week and a half, so I, I'm get, I'm getting my kicks in. Awesome. Well, is there anything you want to say to the fans before we close this one up? Uh, the usual. Thank you to our patrons for supporting us. You all rock. We have our conversation ongoing there. So for those that don't follow our Patreon, we, I have, um, searched out. Over the past year, a couple of different vendors, and I found a vendor that will do shirts for me, and I we've already done a couple of runs. So, I mean, we know how they are. They're really good. They've, they're, they're lasting. And then uh, three different types of shirts, and then a hat, which is so far one type, but, you know, I, I suppose there are other types if people want. And just trying to figure out how to do these transactions. We don't have a merchandise store, so it would have to be direct. But I don't use PayPal, so so I'm checking out Square. So maybe I'll use Square or something like that. But once once I figure that out, I'll put it up for others to take advantage of. And it's I'm not really looking to make any money out of this. I mean, I want to just cover expenses of the making the item, shipping the item, and the whatever tax. And if I make like you know ten cents over, that's fine. It's it's no big deal. I just want to hook up the people that want something from us. So this is, you know, thanks to the patrons. So, again, thank you. And you guys will get first dibs at this. 
And uh, based on that, we'll see. Maybe we'll do an actual merch, you know, merch store through some vendors in Europe so we can do shipping in Europe and, you know, sales in Europe without having to pay stupid tariff costs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's... a couple of weeks ago, that was a joke. Now it's not a joke anymore. I mean, they're, they're, get, they're getting pretty ridiculous with that. So, yeah. But uh, I think that's it. We've had a bit of a hiatus on our YouTube channel, but that's that's going to be changing. And uh, Dallin and Ben have been streaming on Twitch, and I think they're trying Mixer now. So as soon as we see how that goes, we might do an official Mixer account, which probably means we'll also end up doing a Discord account. So, you know, just, just to be up to date on all the electronics. Yeah, what all the yeah. cool kids do now, right? That's right. All the cool kids. They're probably doing something else altogether. Yeah. And Discord is for old people now. So Yeah, they're probably moving <laughs> on already. Okay, right. well, we would like to thank everyone for listening. We really enjoyed having you with us. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya. Thank you.